Good morning to you. If you are new to Res, I want to extend a special welcome to you this morning. My name is Father Ryan. I am one of the priests here at Resurrection. We're so glad that you are here with us this morning. I don't know about you, but this has been a really heavy week. We were already reeling from mass shootings from two weeks ago in Buffalo and Laguna Woods, and now Uvalde, and this horrific shooting by an 18-year-old with an assault rifle, and the death of 19 children and two teachers, and all of the fallout that's happened since then. It's been a week, at least for me it has been, of circulating between grief and anger and disbelief and more anger. I saw someone on social media describe our world today in light of all of these recent events in our world by saying that a sadness has attached itself to the world and it will not let go. And this, I think, sums up how this week has been for so many. So if that's you this week, you're not alone. And if I'm honest, I'm not actually sure what I can offer today for all of you other than just to acknowledge this sadness that has attached itself to our world. To acknowledge the anger and the disbelief that so many of us are feeling right now and to offer all of these feelings, this anger, this disbelief, this sadness, offer it up to God and ask for him to come into this mess and to come quickly. Father David Taylor, who is a professor and a priest at one of our local Anglican churches here in Austin, wrote a series of prayers, uh, a prayers for our violent world. He actually wrote these all and collected them all after the shooting in Buffalo. And we shared one of these prayers with you this last week in our newsletter. And to me, it sums up a lot of what I'm feeling right now. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of what you're feeling as well. In this prayer, he prays, hear our raging words of protest, O God of Jacob. Heed our groans of, for justice and meet us in this lowly and desperate place. The irony of this week, of all weeks, is that on Thursday, we celebrated the Feast of the Ascension. In the Creed, we say that Christ ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And our gospel reading today, which we just heard, tells the story. Jesus promises that he will send the Spirit to empower the disciples, and then he blesses them while he is taken up into heaven. So Jesus, the Messiah King, ascended to heaven and is still living in bodily form, in human flesh and blood, in the heavenly realms with the Trinity. He is still reigning over, all, over his kingdom that he inaugurated at the beginning of the Gospels. And we, the church, proclaim that Jesus is, even now, active and present and working in the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now we, the church, must live in this tension between these two realities of Buffalo and Uvalde and the Feast of the Ascension. We still proclaim that Jesus is Lord, and yet we must make sense of a world in which sometimes, like this week, it feels like Jesus is absent. We ask, where is Jesus in a world where violence, like what we've witnessed these past few weeks, silences so many innocent and vulnerable voices? Where is Jesus in a world where any kind of conversation about how to address mass shootings always seems like it gets stuck? And we find ourselves yet again back in the same situation, grieving and angry. 
And where is Jesus in a political context where it feels like we can't even have a conversation that addresses these issues holistically? Whether it's gun reform or mental health accessibility or addressing racism and injustice in our world, we can't even have these conversations. So how do we make sense of these last few weeks and still proclaim that Jesus is present and at work in the world? I have to confess it's not easy. The short answer is that Jesus isn't actually present in the violence and the, and the evil that we just witnessed. We live in this already and not yet reality of the gospel of Jesus, this space in the history of the world where the not yet is still a thing. And every day as Christians, we grieve this not yet reality. And we wait for the final consummation of all things that we just read about in our reading from Revelation for today. When Jesus will come again and invite us to share in the tree of life forever, where violence and death will be no more. But as we try to make sense of the living, of living in this not yet space in our world today, as we grapple with these recent mass shootings from this last week, these last couple weeks, and as we try to seek Jesus in the midst of this, I think our reading from Acts today is a helpful place for us to, to find a way forward as a church. In Acts 16, violence was on full display in Paul and Silas's encounter with the people of Philippi. If you, if you heard us, if you heard it read this morning, in this case, the violence uh, in the story was fueled by greed. And the story here can be broken down into a few parts, and we'll look at them uh, individually this morning. First, we get this in- encounter of Paul and Silas with the demon-possessed slave girl. At face value, you might read this story and think, it's just a simple miracle, right? Paul and Silas casting out this demon. What an amazing story of the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through Paul. But I think it actually goes a little bit deeper than this. So in verse 16, we hear, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. So this wasn't just some random girl who was demon-possessed. Her demon possession was profitable to her slave owners. They had a financial incentive to keep her bound to this oppression. And so this strange encounter with Paul and Silas where she followed them around and shouted, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved— It wasn't the actual truth of what she was saying that caused an uproar in the city. No one seemed to care, at least initially, that Paul and Silas were in in the city, at least not at first, right? She had been shouting this truth for days, and no one seemed to mind. And it wasn't until Paul actually delivered her from the demon, and she was no longer able to be a fortune teller, that the slave owners got upset. In verse 19, it says, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Jesus was present and at work in the story, not just in the deliverance of the slave girl from the demon but also in the disruption of this greedy and oppressive practice of the slaveholders. 
We know this because of their response. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them before the magistrates. But they knew they couldn't actually be honest about why they were accusing them. The slave owners couldn't say, these men just healed this slave girl. And now it's going to lose us a lot of money. But instead, these men are disrupting the peace of our city. They're causing an uproar. Apparently, healing a girl of oppression of a demon is just something they couldn't handle. The, the slave owner's greed here in this story was so entrenched that their only response to the healing was retribution. Violence stoked by greed. If we pull this story into our current cultural moment, we can say that not much has changed in our world today, right? Greed is as powerful a motivator and influence in our world today, just as it was back in the early church. So much of the violence we see in our world is motivated by greed. Look at Ukraine right now. Look at our current situation with these mass shootings and the conversations around guns and all of that. Some of these conversations inevitably are motivated by greed. So I think it's worth noting that I think that Jesus is present not only in the deliverance, the healing of the slave girl, but also in the disruption of the greed that led to violence. Jesus is calling us into this work to bring healing and deliverance where it is needed in the world, but also to disrupt the places where greed turns to violence, especially towards the vulnerable and the oppressed in our world. And just after this in our story in Philippi, we, we find Paul and Silas in prison after having been subjected to this violence by the magistrates and the crowds. They had been severely beaten and put into prison for simply healing a demon-possessed girl. I could imagine myself, if I were in their shoes, asking, where is Jesus in all of this? How is Jesus' reign and rule in the world evident as we are bound and shackled in prison? And it is precisely here that I think we see a second miracle happen in this passage today. But it's not what you think at first. There's actually, I think, like four miracles that happen in this reading for today, if you think about it. But while Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God in prison, which is a miracle in and of itself, right? After all the pain and the suffering they experienced, they were praising God in, in the prison. And while all these prisoners were watching them, were witnessing this hope and this joy that they had in the midst of pain and uncertainty, an earthquake came upon them. The foundations of the prison shook. The prison doors were broken open and the prisoner shackles came loose. Freedom was theirs for the taking for Paul and Silas and the prisoners. And of all the miracles that took place in this passage for today, here is where I think we see the most important miracle take place. Not in the healing of the demon-possessed girl. Not in this earthquake that broke open the prison. The primary miracle in this story that took place, I think, is that Paul and Silas and the prisoners remained in their prison cell. Verse 26, at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose and the jailer woke, woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. 
we are all here. Paul and Silas likely could have easily escaped after the earthquake or allowed the jailer to enact violence on himself and then walk free from the prison and gone on their way to do the missionary work they were called to do. But despite the freedom that was theirs for the taking, Paul and Silas stayed in their prison cells in order to save the life of the jailer. Jesus was present and at work, I think, in this story, not in the earthquake that enabled Paul and Silas to be freed from prison. Jesus was present and at work in their love for the jailer and their faithfulness to this self-giving way of Jesus. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. In the wake of the earthquake, assuming the prisoners had all gotten free and ran away, the jailer knew he only had one option. Either kill himself or face the violence of the magistrates. But Paul Paul and Silas were willing to disrupt this narrative of violence in the story by letting go of their own freedom. They were willing to lay down their their lives for the sake of the jailer's life. And in doing so, it is precisely here that we see Jesus. Friends, this is the logic of the kingdom and the way of Jesus in our worlds. And it is the only way I know how to make sense of the world that we live in today and the terrible things that we witness week week in and week out in the worlds. Earlier, I asked the question, where is Jesus in the worlds? And I'd say the answer to that is that we see Jesus in how we respond to the violence that we see in the world today. We see Jesus in the church's willingness to embody this selfless and life-giving logic of, of the kingdom where we stand in the gap as Paul and Silas did and disrupt the narratives of violence that exist in our world today. As a priest in this church, my ever present hope and desires that we would lean into this logic of the kingdom. Not always getting it right, but always entrusting ourselves to this work. I know that for myself personally, I have a long way to go in embodying this kind of self-sacrificial love that Paul and Silas displayed in that prison. Sometimes I still put my own desires and freedoms ahead of my commitment to following the way of Jesus like this. This is not easy work. But if we want to know where Jesus is as we face such huge tragedies in our worlds like we did this last, these last two weeks, I can tell you that he is always present and at work in us as we seek to live out this way of Jesus. As we close out this season of Easter this week and we move on to Pentecost in ordinary time, I am so grateful for the time that we've had in the book of Revelation during this Easter season because it has confronted us with this vision of hope from the future in the midst of such pain and sorrow that we've, that we've held with us in the last couple of weeks. Today, our reading from Revelation came to us from the very last verses of the Bible. The final words of Jesus to us, coming to us from the throne where he is ascended. And I offer these words to us just as a reminder, even as we continue to wrestle with the grief the anger, the despair we might feel, and how to actually make sense of the world we live in today. We have a hope that is unquenchable. 
It is the hope that Paul and Silas clung to as they prayed and they praised God in the depths of the prison. It is the hope of revelation. Look, I am coming soon. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches, for resurrection South Austin. I have given you this testimony. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright morning star, the star that emerges in the middle of the night that signals that morning is coming. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty say, come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come be with us in our sadness, in our anger, in our grief. Come be with us in, in the midst of the violence that is all around us. Come and help us see where you want to lead us into the way of love and self-sacrifice, Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm.